This is the On Humans podcast with your host, Ilari Makada. And this is a short unpublished clip from the previous conversation I had with uh, Dr. Nikhil Chowdhury from the University of Cambridge. Chowdhury studies uh, human evolution by doing ethnographic studies with some of the last remaining hunter-gatherers in the world, in his case, the Bayaka people in the rainforest of Congo. Uh, in the previous episode, we discuss uh, lessons uh, from his work on, on child-rearing, uh, family life. Uh, this one is uh, about mental health. In particular, we talk about the evolution of ADHD, depression and anxiety. I have to say that a lot of the things we discuss are quite speculative. So I wouldn't take this as a as a hard facts of, of, of evolution. But it's a certainly interesting uh, things to consider, to think about, and um, hopefully to bring a little bit of understanding towards the things that many of us struggle with. So without further ado, I bring you again, Nikhil Chowdhury. Well, we've done a decent tour of the topic. Is there anything that you would have wanted to address that we haven't? I think, yeah, we've talked about a lot of stuff. We didn't actually end up focusing purely on mental health, but I mean, that that's fine, you know, these conversations. Well, if you, if you don't mind, I, there's one mental health thing that I found that really spoke to me, because one of the big things in mental health and hunter-gatherers is the idea of evolutionary mismatch, which is that various problems... Um, emerge when we are living in a, in a in an environment that our evolution was not adapting us for yeah the kind of classic example being that candy shops yeah. are not very good idea to have with our evolved yeah. <laughs> liking of, of fast carbs and then the question is how much of our mental health problems are associated with that we have some cautionary remarks about for example the fact that it's not just the postpartum depression study there are some other ones where it's, it's not like the hunter-gatherers have no uh, mental health issues. But one that's really, where, where I really see potential for this evolutionary mismatch uh, thinking is ADHD. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly agree. I think it's useful, and I, I you read the chapter I wrote, I, I made this distinction in the chapter, when we're thinking about mismatch to, I think there are lots of forms of it, but to at least distinguish whether we're talking about a change in an environment leading to, you know, some sort of evolutionary novel environment leading to an entirely new phenotype, which is pathological, like, let's say, a disease which you just wouldn't see in hunter-gatherers. And then the other form of mismatch would be to say the phenotype was always there, but it only causes a problem currently. Okay, so for example, cardiovascular diseases or uh, things related to obesity, these are in the first category, like you don't yeah. really see these problems in hunter-gatherers. Um, on the other hand, ADHD, the theory might suggest, is, is that this kind of, the kind of brain that we call an ADHD brain was in no way a, a burden. <laughs> it might have been the opposite in hunter-gatherer context or and still would be I think, in yeah. hunter gatherer context if you are for example living yeah. in the bayaka uh, community but that it is uh it, it it it's only seen as a problem because of the way that we are raised the way that we go to school the way that we're expected to do this and not that is that right yeah i mean in the dsm in the uh diagnostic criteria even some of the check boxes that or, or things that can result in the diagnosis are statements like causes disruption in school like that being problematic in the classroom and it, we talked earlier touched on human life history and you mentioned the long childhood but one of the 
probably the leading explanation for that is that as we shifted to hunting and gathering, which is a highly skill intensive foraging niche, we developed these really long childhoods because we had to pick up uh, the skills required. You know, it's not until quite late on in one's life, uh, in adulthood, or certainly when we think about other apes where young become self-sufficient and reach the juvenile stage very early and can can then get enough food for themselves in the hunter-gatherers it's not till way later on where you have sufficient skill to actually get food by yourself and support yourself and this long childhood emerged for us to develop those skills and when you think about foraging skills it's very much about exploring your environment being active practicing so one childhood and this extended period of childhood and adolescence is so unique and such a fundamental human adaptation and then we might expect that then presumably to go hand in hand with various psychological processes or dispositions that facilitate its function and if its function was to pick up foraging skills we might have these biopsychological dispositions towards being active and wanting to explore try out new things and using our hands which the school does not reward yeah yeah it's so interesting there is uh there's a person in my life who 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 i care very deeply about who actually hasn't been diagnosed for adhd but 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 is considering doing a test and is, is quite convinced uh that she that she has it and um just anecdotally she is an incredible forager oh, wow. in in finland we 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 actually do forage uh, once a year uh, very intensely in september uh, the mushrooms bubble up in the in the forests and and uh, it's a national hobby to go and pick as many as you can um my my parents for example they still on a daily basis eat mushrooms that they dried in september when when collecting them and uh when i went mushrooming with with this probably adhd uh, friend of mine uh, she just it was incredible she was just on a on a different level <laughs> and this is purely anecdotal but it definitely is is not uh is not contrary to what one would expect from what you just uh, said i i've got a psychiatrist coming with me to the field next year who's going to do a postdoc with me who focuses on adhd and has various ways of sort of screening for it and she's going to be looking at that foraging success and the ADHD type traits and, and you know trying to look quantitatively if we actually see those patterns I mean there's this test I don't know whether this is a famous test or she adapted it but she was showing me her results where it, I think it's called the bell test um, as I say I don't know whether it's hers or the famous test but you've got this screen or like a big canvas and it's got loads of different pictures all over it like a hundred uh, there might be a mug on there or some keys on there or a speaker on there and there are also bells hidden amongst these and you ask the child to find all the bells as quickly as they can now if i remember correctly the hidden bells if i remember correctly children with ADHD find the bells quicker. That I'm not a hundred percent of that. What I am certain of is they find the bells. When you look at the order in which they find the bells, it's very different to how 
neurotypical children who sort of go in a more systematic, okay, I'm going to check there, then there, then there. The kids with ADHD are jumping around, so they're taking very much less structured routes or they're scanning the whole picture in a different way, which is allowing them to find stuff quicker. So interesting. It would it, it resonates with what I said earlier. Yeah, exactly. Because we were just it wasn't that she was doing what I was doing and it were a bit better. It just felt like she's in a completely different realm. Well there's the, these these two very interesting studies when thinking about ADHD and mismatch. Um so probably I think the most well known genetic correlate of ADHD is this DDR, DRD4 polymorphism. And if you have the 7R variant of it, that seems to be, you know, a good predictor of ADHD. And it's associated also with novelty seeking and impulsivity and, and hyperactivity. And I think there is some, there are some studies which show that, which indicate that the positive selective effects on that variant happened uh, coincide with the period of human sort of demographic expansion so again that that suggests perhaps that these traits allowed or, or people with these traits were more likely to explore new environments and, and have this novelty seeking I mean, another interesting one would be depression so there are thinkers who think that there is something at least in modern lifestyles and our productivity and our way of thinking about the future that's related to depression, right? I think depression is a really interesting one. A lot of the time people say, oh, this is just a, a new phenomenon. But that's one where I feel fairly confident that hunter-gatherers will get what we consider depressed at certain points in time. And a really interesting hypothesis of depression as a sickness behavior. The idea being that if you get an infection, what what would be adaptive behaviours there? It would be to rest a lot, to maybe hypersomnia, to um, not expend energy, but reallocate it to immune function, social withdrawal, so you don't spread the infection, maybe loss of appetite because, you know, um, gastrointestinal infections were uh, one of the main problems in hunter-gatherer societies lack of motivation to do things, all this suite of traits that are important criteria in the DSM for a diagnosis of depression, those would be very adaptive if you've got an ongoing infection. And so the idea there is that depression is part of the behavioural immune system. It, in low mood, not necessarily, but of course, hormones all affect lots of things at once. But it would be adaptive to have many of the symptoms that we consider part of the suite of depression if you had an infection. And we see now very clear relationships between inflammation and depression and how chronic inflammation can lead to depression, which really supports that idea too. But there is something about our, I guess, our modern uh, weird lifestyles that can at least change the the causes of anxiety depression right yeah and there's a really i think a really important and, and good hypothesis by randolph nessie and, and i think it's just true generally that we we have these really long-term goals and you know our affect 
is designed to motivate us. But if we've got this long term goal and we have to persist with it, even once we stop making stop making progress, everything about our affect is, you know, lowering our mood, lowering our motivation, saying this isn't working out. Stop investing time and energy in it. But we don't have the flexibility of it. And it's a long term goal. We've already started. We can't just change our career or whatever. And we've got this constant reinforcement loop of our affect saying, stop, stop. I'm going to make your mood even lower. I'm going to make your motivation even lower because you just keep doing this. And then, you know, depression is an outcome. And equally, because we're so we're so future oriented, I think hunter gatherers are immediate return. So you get resources as soon as you, you know, you put in labor, you get resources. Farmers are thinking seasons ahead. We're thinking decades ahead, thinking about our pension, thinking about our education from our parents, thinking about it from when we're born. And I imagine this determines our time orientation, that we are very future oriented. And as a result, there's much more scope for anxiety. I mean, we could think of anxiety as a unhealthy preoccupation with thinking ahead and what could happen and maybe if your immediate return you're thinking much more on the present and, and we know about how being in the present is good so that was it for today i hope that you enjoyed it and gained something from it if you want to learn more about mental health topics you might enjoy episode four with psychiatrist gregory burns or the previous long conversation with Nikhil Chowdhury, that's episode 34, where we go more deeply into human evolution and uh, its many lessons for uh, modern well-being. If you have someone in your life who struggles with mental health and you would like to share this with them, uh, please do. But when we do such uh, kind acts, let's be very mindful of how we do it um, because of the very varied ways and unpredictable ways that people with mental health problems can react to unsolicited advice on, on, on their condition. Anyway, um, I hope that you tune in next time. Until then, take care.